0: Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, and tonight uh, we have a continuation of a, a little side project that we started in uh, in the lockdown in the in the in the COVID pandemic lockdown of 2019, where or is it 20 actually? It was 2020 when we started it because you know basically we thought, well, what are we going to talk about with no football? Uh, and I thought about it, and of course at the time it was the 50th anniversary of Chelsea winning the FA Cup final, which uh, many of us, uh, particularly on this show, believe to be a somewhat seminal moment uh, in Chelsea's history. So we thought, you know, considering most of us on the show have been going since before then, or then, or thereabouts then, why don't we just do a season review of each season from 1970? And that's what we've been doing. And obviously football's now back, so we, we, you know... It's harder to fit all of this in uh, around the games. But, of course, over the summer, we're going to be trying to catch up a little bit. And tonight, uh, we're going to be doing the season, which is 2000 to 2001. And, of course, I am Stamford Chidge. And as ever, I've been uh, joined by my faithful retainer, the absolutely lovely Mr. Jonathan Kidd.
2: I feel I should bark, shouldn't
0: I? Yes. manual your retainer.
2: Oh, 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 oh. Great to be on the show, Chidge. Oh, oh. I
0: love it. Um, I love it. It is. It's fun. I mean, you know, I I look forward to these in a in a way that that's so different from uh, you know from our usual shows. And of course, um, we've kind of segued into a bit of a pattern recently um, by not having a whole load of us on these shows. Um, I, I do I I do feel I ought to get a few more of us on them because uh, I did promise that. But the thing is, you see, the chap that we've been basically segueing into and reducing it down to is so bloody good at this, uh, you know, he has to be on there. I mean, he's more vital to this particular operation than me and J.K.
1: He is the absolutely, abs- ab- Isn't yes. he just yeah, the absolutely, absolutely
0: wonderful Mr. Mark Meehan.
1: Thank you very much for that kind introduction. Uh, looking forward to dissecting the 2000 and 2001 season this evening where a lot did go on at Chelsea
0: football club. Well, indeed a lot did go on. Uh before we do all of that, um you know, just a little because we don't have any kind of plugs for anything at all in this particular show, but I will I will plug what we do because we do have a Patreon uh, site. Uh so um if you want to be a Chelsea fancast patron which basically helps me, you know, cover the cost of running all the shows we do blah 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 blah. Um and it's a little, you know, it's just an extension of the of the fancast community really. Um I mean, I don't do any tears or kind of like, you know, I I don't do many benefits per se, which I always feel very guilty about. But if you do want to, you know, bung us a few quid every month, it's always very much uh, gratefully received. And it is patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. What I do do, if you do sign up, if you want to, I mean, there's no pressure for anything, of course, including doing this. But uh, we do have a Discord group, so um there's some really brilliant people who uh, congregate in there it's brilliant on a match day i mean i've even been in there when i've not been at the bridge uh so you get an automatic link to that and uh also if you want one you can have a little bit of chelsea history because we've got replicas of the kerry dixon banner that hangs in the matthew harding upper and uh uh they're a little tiny kind of rep well, i say tiny they're about i don't know about a foot and a half long Uh, And you can get one of those if you so desire. But there is no pressure, as I said. So uh, all of the business for the evening now taken care of. Um, It's time to kick off with the 2000-2001 season. And as we always do, we start with the kits, um, which is all a bit odd this year. I mean, we've got the same kit that we had, uh, which came in in 1999, the home kit, which I actually like. Uh, It's kind of a crew neck thing with auto glass on. Um, But we only seem to have one away kit this year which is a bit odd and it's kind of a slightly darker yellow with uh, kind of blue flashes not not offensive in any way shape or form jk but it only lasted this season
2: well i i like the fact there are only two kits actually i always feel the third kit is just an excuse for marketing that you know you can wear it whenever you like um uh, and it, you, you wear it when there's no clash at all, which I think seems to happen more often nowadays when you think, why? The tradition is surely surely we should be playing in our normal kit that doesn't seem to be any kind of clash. But um, I like both these kits immensely. And uh, uh, the the yellow yellow with uh, um, and blue tops was is it's a lovely yellow and occasionally they would wear the blue shorts with it which made it being the traditionalist I am you were suddenly back into the sixties because that was the uh, the yellow blue yellow was uh, was the the away kit of choice um, but yeah I think they look great and it's very similar to the one when we won the uh, the FA Cup beating Everton 2010. Uh, isn't that right? That season, two thousand ten. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, we've 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 uh, often yeah. often had had the old combo of uh, you know uh, blue shorts and and the yellow top. We've had blue shorts and white tops, of course, haven't we?
2: As well, as well. But I like also the blue flashing down the side and the the, uh, the little bits of blue around the collar and the um, it's blue and yellow little cuffs uh, and the stripe. Um, well thought out, and you know, I can't believe we're saying, well done to Umbro, but. Uh, uh, in comparison with any any of the Nike outfits, this is top stuff for me.
0: Well, it does make you think, Mark. Um, well, I mean, as I said, obviously we know all about the blue kit because that was there last season. But uh, what of the yellow kit?
1: Uh, I like the yellow kit, um, and I'm I'm agreeing with JK there. Clearly, Umbro were probably going through a good patch. They were designing some good kits back then, compared to the student with crayons that seems to work for Nike at this present moment in time. Yes. What, 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 what I liked about it, as well as what JK referred to, it looked even better with the blue shorts, and we, we played that in a couple of cup games during this season. I think Gillingham away springs to mind. Because it was just like 1965 League Cup final, when we won the League Cup by beating Leicester with that yellow shirt, Yeah, with the round neck uh, and the sort of like, you know, the two blue collar and then the blue short. So I don't know whether it was by accident or by design by Umbro, but this kit came out particularly well. Yeah, very, very good kit. And I'm sure the nostalgia buffs are probably bidding on eBay at this present moment in time to pick up copies of it because there seems to be a demand amongst the youths, uh, amongst the Chelsea support at this present moment in time, to collect old kits. So I imagine this would pick, pick up, you know, uh, for a nice few quid for this, because it's a good show Wonder
2: how much? i Wonder how much, Mark? It's going I know, for. I
1: know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't f- know. I know the '94 kits, the yellow and black stripes, going for about three hundred quid occasionally on eBay. Yeah, so that makes was, sense
2: because they're they're really sort of esoteric hard. aren't they? They're 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 a different kind of kit. That yellow and those stripes, I really like those. I always thought they were they were terrific. Yeah, well,
0: this a,
1: is a good kit.
0: There's a brilliant shot.
2: Go Sorry, Jake. No, go shirt. on, go on, go on. No, no, like I said, the, it, Autoglass are, are, are on the front of the shirts to remember they're the sponsors.
1: Yeah.
0: There's a brilliant place to get, uh, you know, not. I mean, obviously the retro kit market, which is basically reproductions, is is obviously pretty buoyant. But there is a brilliant shop uh, called Classic Football Shirts. JK and I have been there. We went to, I'm sure you came with us, actually. We, did, we met London is Blue down there. They did a podcast down there when they came over, down in uh, just off uh, Brick Lane, their shop. Do you remember that? yeah yeah but they've yeah, got a website sure. as well it's a brilliant if you want to get original shirts from any era that well, pretty much any era then that's the place to go to so there you go um right uh when we go next with in and outs as we always do um and uh the following ins, we had uh, the wonderfully named uh and very seldom seen ratty alexidza uh was uh he came from dinamo Tbilisi for oh uh I don't don't know how much he came for it. She doesn't say. Uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, the the big signing of the season, came in June. He was transferred from Atletico Madrid for 15 million. Uh, Ida Good-Johnson came from Bolton for 4 million in June. And uh, Mario Stanich came in from Parma for 5.6 million. Carlo Gutuccini came in from Castel di Sangro for 160,000. Blimey, I forgot how cheap that was. Uh, and then later on in August, just before the deadline, we had Winston Bogard uh, from Barcelona for free. Uh, later on in the season, which we'll, we'll cover when we get there, but we also got uh, the wonderful <coughs> cough Slaviza Jekanovic from Deportivo La Coruña for £1.7 Who uh, UR Jesper Gronkjaer in December from Ajax for £7.5 million. And uh, I completely forgot about this, but Mark Bosnich, also known as Arsic, transferred from Man United for free in January. Uh, Going were Neil Clement uh, to West Brom for 100 grand. Hurrah! Chris Sutton. We got rid of him after a year. He went to Celtic for 6 million, so we only lost 4 million on him, you know. Good grief. Uh, Didier Deschamps, uh, the water carrier, uh, he went to Valencia for 3.7 million. Uh, Dan Petrescu very sadly, went to Bradford City for a million. Uh, Nick Crittenden transferred to Yeovil for free. Pierre Luigi Casaraghi, I'm um, sadly he retired because uh, he never recovered from the injury. And uh, at the end of August, Emerson Tome went to Sunderland for four and a half million. So he was only with us for a year. Um, in the pre-season, uh, we as we had our traditional what seems to be a traditional game against Kingstonians. We beat them three-one in a friendly. Uh, we beat Oxford 5-1 in a friendly, uh, and then the Benicom regional team 11-0 in a friendly, uh, then a- NAC Breda 4-2 in a friendly, and uh, Veen 3-1 in a friendly. Uh, Mark, um, you, you, normally you're all over the pre-season friendlies.
1: Did you go to any of these? No, I didn't go to any pre-season this, this particular year, so I didn't venture out to Kingstonians or pop across the channel to the Netherlands or... Uh, I think it was the first time we played Netherlands in pre-season, probably for about since the 1970s. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's unlike you. Obviously getting old by then, you know, not as young, well, young and vigorous as you were, maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> or probably done with going to Kingstonians every July. Yeah. Well, that
0: I can understand. Um, I mean, it was an interesting start to the season. Uh, I mean, you know, let's be frank, we'd had a brilliant Champions League campaign in the season before, which sadly, you know, uh, ended when their asses collectively went in the camp new uh but we had won the uh we had won the f a cup again, which is always brilliant um and we'd faltered in the league large, largely due to our champions league campaign I think setting the scene for the beginning of this season um I think that we i well I remember you know it was all about well you know we're now a champions league clubs, so, and we should be you know having a tilt for the title this year we played we've played with the big boys we've looked not out of place. What we were missing, Mark, what we were missing was a striker because Kasaragi had got injured. Sutton was useless. All we needed for – where have we heard this before recently? All we needed for a tilt on the title was a proper striker who can bang 20-plus goals in a season. That's, that was the mood that I remember before we went into it anyway. Quite hopeful.
1: Definitely. The more things change, the more things yeah, – it's, it's Plus ça change, same. plus sailor mem mêmes chose. Yeah, you know, they, they, the more things change, more things they stay the same. Um, massive signing and a really important signing, I think. Huge level of optimism purely by the man we signed, JFH, Mr. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Uh, broke our transfer record in buying him. We missed out on him the previous season. Uh, Chelsea were in for him, but uh, Mr. O'Leary and Mr. Larisdale at Leeds United Football Club also known um, to Mr. Kidd of this parish as Dirty Leeds, uh, would, would, not, would not sell Hasselbank to Chelsea. They refused to sell him. Um, Hasselbank actually wanted to stay at Leeds, um, thought he was worth a salary increase. Um, and a huge ended- salary
2: increase, though, I think, Mark, wasn't it? Unbelievable amount yeah. of money yeah. he was he,
1: after. He, he did. Leeds weren't prepared to pay. I think we were. Uh, and in the end, they offloaded into Atletico Madrid, where he spent a season there, um, where he was playing for some gentleman called Claudio Ranieri. Who? Never heard um, of him. Who? We'll, 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 hear, we'll hear a bit about him l- later on this evening. But it was a good window. We, we got Hasselbank. We got Johnson, who had done well for Bolton. Uh, and we got Stanich. So th- they were the main three. They were They were the poster boys of all the press and the comms. We'd been watching Stanic for at least a couple of years, had a good reputation in Italian football. He was a Croatian international. So all in all, a good window. As you said, uh, we got rid of certain players. And I think the other thing that was quite important, and we talked about it the last time we did the 50 years, is the turmoil within the club, despite winning the FA Cup that I witnessed at the civic reception after the FA Cup final where certain players, despite us as fans being delighted to win the cup, were clearly unhappy. And I think I said at the time, um, Petrescu was amongst them, Leberth was amongst them, um, the water carrier was amongst them. So I suspect there was a bit of Viali beginning to shape his own team and getting rid of what he probably perceived as of like bad apples in, in the dressing room. Because as much as I like Petresco, he clearly was one of them. Who were who the other? Who were is... the others, Mark? Uh, well, I said Petresco, uh and um, the water tower. Sure? The they you know, shot with the main protagonist, uh, but there were other unhappy players there. I don't think Zola was ever happy. I don't think Di Matteo was ever happy because I think their relationship changed with Viali when he became the manager, and they were best buddies. And at least on one occasion, I think we said on the last show where. When Zola wasn't picked for a game, he actually walked out Stamford Bridge and didn't even sit on the bench. So there the, the was turmoil, w- you know, with a number of players. But I think he probably saw uh, Deschamps and perhaps uh, Petrescu as the ringleaders. And there was also talk, you know, with the birth going. Um, I think we said it on the last show. Aston Villa um, Gareth Southgate. We were really keen on buying, uh, and um, there was a, a falling out on the training ground where. Um, they they used to do a thing at the end of training where they used to do a penalty shootout and one player from each side would sort of take the penalties to decide who won training for that day, the bibs against the yellow bibs Uh, so LeBeuf says to Vialli well I'm going to take the penalties for my team in the penalty shootout and you can get Gareth Southgate to take the penalties in your team
2: (laughs) Fantastic story! I love that. That's wow, a, that's a
0: good answer, isn't it? Wow. I mean, J.K. I mean, uh, h- yeah. how how you know you're always very optimistic in my experience of you. But how how were you before the? Were you a bit like me? Oh, look, we've got the striker we need now because everybody knew who Jimmy was. I mean, he was he was in, he was frequently the top scorer for his club. He went out to Madrid for a year. He was the top scorer there. I think he might have got the Golden Boot in La Liga actually that season. So you know, I was filled with huge buoyant optimism. Were you?
2: Completely and utterly buoyant, but also from Good Johnson, who I'd watched a few yeah. times, playing for Bolton. Who I thought was a fabulous player, and I thought that these two were great signings. I I, I was so enthusiastic about either. I didn't. I remember um, Hasselbank scoring wonderfully for. Uh, Leads with with these brilliant long distance shots. I mean, bloody hell, you in 97 million would have bought somebody like that. Bloody hell, we'd we you'd have him like a shot. He his ability, Hasselbank, to just rifle the ball in with that unbelievable right foot from wherever, high into the roof of the net, was absolutely phenomenal. He was a completely phenomenal striker. It was a joy. To watch him wind up and also his ability to get into positions to, to play those those almost um Reece James-like um crosses, which he would do from the right hand side, which Ideka Johnson got on the end of. Ideka Johnson, another brilliant anticipatory striker, would be there, tuned in. They were a, a brilliant combination. And of course, to his we will find later on, didn't play occasionally in the combination just due to the weirdness of the manager. But as you know, my my um Analysis of uh, of of uh, Jean Luc at the end of the season was not a happy one. I I I wasn't I wasn't pleased with his the way that he'd handled the team in the last few matches because when we were there possibly we could have won the division. But I was hoping that somehow this this strife that he was experiencing within the play, amongst the players, which was pretty obvious, would disappear. But it became it became really apparent that he was uh, there was resentment at his carrying on as manager and. I think Deschamps had a had difficulty anyway with the whole thing of playing in the Premier League. I remember him being kicked to pieces by Windass, who will of course reappear on several occasions this season playing for uh well, for um, different clubs as it happened. For different clubs as it happened, yes, indeed, absolutely. But um and I remember thinking, I don't think this is your world, DDA. And yet he was brilliant in the Champions League. And you thought that's exactly the kind of environment that he was purchased for. But the uh, but um, Dan Petrescu going, for me, it was just, in the end, just almost like spite from Viali because uh, Petrescu was absolutely fabulous. I mean, um, having said that, the, the, the choice of manager to succeed Viali, I'm not convinced Petrescu would ever have played anyway. So perhaps he's leaving for a derisory million to bradford was um was something that uh um you know you just have to expect would have happened but um uh sutton obviously thank god he went after a year and uh, that's what i liked about this this setup was that he was terrible and they got rid of him i'm hoping that will be the same with uh another certain striker we have at the moment i hope people just disappear into the uh into the distance but um uh, stanich um of course as we will discover um started off absolutely brilliantly and we at the very beginning of the season my optimism i'm not getting too far ahead of myself i'm just telling you that my i'm answering your question about the optimism my optimism was enormous because of he was an unknown but um but jimmy floyd i thought well this he's a let's see what he's like i know he's a terrific player but um, as i say weirdly enough i was slightly more tuned into what Good johnson who i thought was had played superbly for bolton and was you know um four million was a bit of a snip um Cudicini, we didn't know anything about. Uh, De Hoy, I always felt was just slightly suspect, and um, and of course we had the we, we were to have the brilliance of the Winston Bahada, uh, um transfer, who uh, who I think uh, um, you'll tell us, Mark, that um, he'd been targeted as being the worst player for Barcelona when we played them the year before. So it was a, a slightly bizarre decision to purchase him, and of course the ultimately the wonderful Yukanovich transfer. Um, for 1.7, who would feature the following season an enormous amount when he was possibly the worst player I've ever seen yeah, play well, for you, Chelsea. You
0: know, you know my. You've, everybody's <laughs> heard my story about Jukanovich, but I won't repeat it now. I'll wait till we get to that season. I think when we get
2: to that, yeah. But but the, and the answer to your question, actually, In a nutshell, yes, as always, the, particularly because we'd done so well the mm. season before in the Champions League, and um, and I was a great fan of Tori Andre Flo and I thought that he would figure more, and I just thought we were a, a terrific side, and these signings would actually make us the best. But at the time, the other thing to remember, of course, is that um, uh, LaBeouf, Frank LaBeouf, had won the World Cup, and uh, from, uh, you would know perhaps more about this, Mark, my knowledge of of, of his, his subsequent going to his head was such that he just wandered around a lot saying, you know, I've won the World Cup, you know, and then didn't actually pay much attention to defending for the rest of the season, I think. So uh, um but that was the the rumour I got. I don't know whether that was true or not, but um um and he flitted in and out was never the same player for me. But I I think as we'll discover, similarly there was some strange uh um, permutations that the manager the new manager insisted on playing but yes let's carry on yes yes unbelievably positive Judge thought we were going to win the title
0: there was uh, one other uh, addition as well wasn't there mark uh, just just before the season started in uh, in and panucci who who is a player that i never i never really understood at chelsea and then he then he cropped up playing for for some italian team and we'd bump into he seemed to last forever we kept on bumping into him many years hence but we uh, we got him on loan, didn't we? From uh, from Roma, was it? We got him.
1: What was it again? Again, it has it has to be uh, another. You know, Viali sort of showing his influence. You know, no, from Inter. This was sorry, a... it was from Inter, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, but this, this was like a, a bolt bolt from the blue. This came in just before you know the start of the season, um, and we got him on loan. And like he was the captain of the Italian side. He'd won the Champions League twice already with AC Milan and Real Madrid. So he came with a pedigree, a real quality player we picked up. So um, we already had Albert Ferrer, who had had some you know, injury issues. Mario Melchot, the same. He came in at the tail end of the previous season. So we were strong on, on the right hand side already and we made it stronger at Panucci. But we'll talk about him later because he doesn't well, but play that's, very that's, often. That's quite an interesting story about his arrival, isn't there? That you've got. He's, he's lucky. He's lucky to be alive as well. There's probably like a sliding doors moment. Yeah. You know, if you if you know about Christian Pinucci and you're absolutely right, we did come across him a few times in later years in the Champions League. But he was captain of the Italian side in the 1996 um, Olympic Games. But he actually got injured, so he had to fly home early. So he books a flight home, um, and he's going to get a connecting flight and fly home to Rome from New York. And it's one of those, you know, life defining moments where his baggage gets delayed um, from his connecting flight. So he then opts not to take the Rome flight, uh, but take a flight to Milan instead. Now, if, if, you, if you know your aviation history, um, the TWA flight from New York to Rome that took off, that Panucci wasn't on, explodes over the Atlantic, killing 230 people. And just one of those weird things, actually, just for his bags b- being delayed, he would have been on that plane. Uh, and if he'd been on that plane, you know, he wouldn't have you know, ended up having the career he's had. Uh, and he wouldn't have ended up playing for Claudio Ranieri at Chelsea. No, indeed.
0: There we <laughs> yeah. go. Right. It all kicks off, of course, with the uh, the Charity Shield. Um, uh, you know, a match that actually we, we, we have been in quite a lot already in the last kind of Six years. Uh, it, it's funny, isn't it? The 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 view of it people have now. I mean, I'm 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 not that bothered with it actually. I, I think it's largely because Wembley's such a ball ache to get to and all the rest of it. But I am very enamoured of this one, Mark. It was a, it was a well, it was against the champions, Man United. We were there as the cup holders, obviously, uh, and we won it. Uh, we won two 0 uh, with a br- well, I wouldn't say brilliant. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank goal, uh, a brilliant Mario Melchior goal. Um, you know, Jimmy Stanich and Ida all made their debuts. Um, I know. Uh, you know, you 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 do love a bit of, of Wembley. Uh, you, you no doubt you had a good time in the pub beforehand.
1: Yeah, we did, and you're absolutely right. Even back then, we took maybe it's still a, a novel thing for us as Chelsea fans. You know, we we took the charity shield really seriously, and we sold out our allocation relatively quickly, and ended up getting more tickets compared to Man United, and it just mirrored the FA Cup final. We went back to the same pub. In that place, you didn't know where it was called a Ryslip. Um, just down the central line, if ever you want to go down there. So we, we had another great day out in the Middlesex Arms in Ryslip. Um, Chilton line up to Wembley. Um, tremendous day. We beat the Champions Manchester United 2-0. Perfect start for Hasselbank. Don't matter how they go in, as long as they go in. And then the goal for Melchot is absolutely peach. If people haven't seen it. Um, if you were too young, go and watch it on YouTube, how he said dances through the United Defence. And then I know he's become quite a popular pundit these days. But obviously, when Roy Keane was a player, Roy knew how to leave his studs in every now and again. And he left his studs in literally on the back of Gus Poyer's letter. And I think only became the second person since Keegan and Bremner, I think, to get sent off in a, a charity shield. So we started well. We won the charity shield. Um and it's only one of two times we've actually won the charity shield at Wembley because, as most people know, in more recent years, our record of charity shield has been a dog's breakfast.
0: Yeah, they have. And that's why we've probably lost a bit of interest. Were you there, JK?
2: Yes, it it had a significance that um, um, I think we were making a statement at the time because we would bought those players and because we'd done so well the season before. Um, there was a feeling amongst myself and my friends that, we needed to go to to Wembley for this. And it was a, it was a match to prove um, how we were, impro- to how, how we were improving as a team and, uh, and how we w- were making a statement. And this was seen very much as a statement at the very beginning of the season. And And um, we came away once again, really buoyant as a consequence of having gone to the game and winning. And we were saying, well, actually, you know, we're, we're going to be there. We're going to be amongst the contenders. So, um, uh, and it was uh, after the first game against West Ham, a couple of games, it was then all downhill for the rest of the season. Yeah. But no, I'm giving the game away. But um, uh, no, it was very much um, uh, a, a joyous game. And as you say, Melchior's goal was fabulous. And um, and yeah, uh, what, what what we will discover as well, looking at this season is... How many fouls are given as yellow cards that, in fact, if nowadays with VAR and a different attitude towards the laws would all have been sent sent off? And also ridiculous offsides as well, but that's par for the course with uh, human beings making decisions, isn't it? So.
0: Well, i I tell you what. I mean, I, I think, I think Keane would have been sent off in area, any era. Oh, the no, no, in he this did. instance. It was I know, indeed, su- in any such area. a red card, wasn't it? And
2: also to be doing it right in front of the referees only three yards away was... Um, you Know rather stupid of him, but yeah, and he seemed to accept it rather readily. He just wandered off this side, had a couple of words with him, and uh, yeah, I, w- I wonder, nice. I, I wonder what I wonder that was what all said. about. Yeah, yeah, what's that yeah, all about? He did, do you think seemed to put his arm around him? Yeah. And just said, I wonder what he actually did say. Perhaps he was, I don't think he was being nasty because if he'd been nasty, keen would probably have decked him knowing keen but I'm being allegedly being unfair, but um, but yes, he seemed to be sympathetic towards him. I yeah. don't know, weird, but yeah, weird. It, it was a dreadful, dreadful, dreadful tackle. on point. And and just to say, the point, we'll, we'll arrive at for the rest of the season is, is Poyet um, uh, had a kind of fervour and energy to him for the whole of the season that was unbelievably commendable. He was absolutely brilliant for most of the season. So we, I once again, I came away just thinking uh, we're going to be there, we're going to be there or thereabouts.
0: Well, indeed, I mean, I think I think when you beat you know Man United were in in arguably their most dominant. Kind of era at the time. I mean, the Premier League. It was. It was either. It was either United or Arsenal. But they were at the peak of their powers. I would suggest. Um, the, the season, of course, is you know due to to kick off uh, against uh, the the wonderful uh, West Ham. Of course, the Irons on the 19th of August. Um, however, Mark, things started to hot up a little bit before then on the 16th of August.
1: Yes, indeed. And it's one of those things that's happened many times down the years. Um, players go away on international duty. They talk to journalists. When have we heard that in more recent times? And the journalist chooses the moment then to when to put the story in the press. So we start really well against Manchester United, buoyant for the start of the season, looking forward to it. And then the story comes out where the basically says... That Gianluca Vialli has problems with everybody, but in particular, Frank LaBeouf. And he says, I'd like to finish my career at Chelsea, but I'm not sure that the coach has much faith in me. I don't know what's in store for me, since there are rumours that Gareth Southgate will be arriving. And actually, that's reinforced. We talk about Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. I've got Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank's book, and he talks about arriving at Chelsea and the turmoil he walks into. And this is how he describes the, comp- the comparison between Di Matteo and Zola and Frank Leberth. Obviously, the point we talked about earlier about Di Matteo and Zola falling out with Vialli, you know. Uh, but he says they were professional enough to separate their personal feelings from their work. Frank Leberth, however, wasn't able to do that. Frank <laughs> Leberth hated the new manager so much that Viali decided to replace him with a new central defender who was Gareth Southgate, but as we found out, Aston Villa didn't want to let him go. With two conflicting groups in the team, it was not surprising that things did not go smoothly. Players like Leberth bypassed the manager and took their complaints straight to the chairman. But I'm absolutely sure, this is Jimmy speaking, that Zola and Di Matteo never, ever went that far. So very much Leberth, the protagonist. Colin Hutchinson comes back in the press and basically says, Frank LeBeuf is his own worst enemy, um, and he will talk to LeBeuf. Well, actually, isn't that the manager's job? You know, if you're going to talk to him, Colin, you should only be sort of like disciplining him. Um, uh, and then basically, what happened then is Viali talked to him on the training ground the day before the West Ham game. Uh, and he also issued his own press statement where he actually said to everybody he'd come down hard on anybody that undermines the team spirit. Uh, When he was asked what he said to Leberth, Viali said, whatever happens between us has to remain between us. Whatever decisions I make and whatever I decide to do is going to remain within these four walls. I'll deal with the situation in the best possible way without making it public. Well, the way Viali did it is he left him out of the game against West Ham. (laughs) But Chelsea, putting a spin on it, said to the press that Leberth was injured.
0: Yeah, right. We've all heard that one before. Um I mean, I think the, the, the war, I mean, you know what, you know what, I cannot remember. And this is the terrible thing, isn't it, about memory. And of course, hindsight, we've got all this other uh, ancillary information now about what's going on. And I suspect even in those days, I, I didn't really believe much of what was written in the press. But but JK, do you remember much? Did you have a feeling of brewing trouble around this time? I have to be honest and say, I don't think I did.
2: You know, uh, uh, the rumour mill was, was really uh, spinning at that time. I, I remember that happening. I remember the Gareth Southgate um, possibility of him coming because I, uh, I thought actually that wouldn't be a bad purchase. And uh, we'd lost faith in Le for a little bit as well at the end of the season because he, he, he had this tendency to make just dreadful errors and be caught out of position. And uh, you had to then weigh up those the, the positives with him as a player, which was his wonderful shot, his, his brilliant passing ability, which is almost very similar to the kind of ball player that is required now in the Premier League. But he, he would miss headers and he would just um, uh, be caught out of position, I think, as we'll discover in the first few, few games coming up. Um so, I, I, I and as I the other rumor I'd heard was that he was just constantly going around telling everybody that he'd won the World Cup and he was, uh, and it had slightly all gone to his head. So, um, I wasn't really, uh, surprised that this was all happening, but also in my heart of hearts, I wanted Viali out because I thought VR I thought Vialli had ruined the season at the end of the season I thought they'd they'd taken their eyes off it completely um aided by him because at Sheffield Wednesday they hadn't made an effort they just spent the whole of the of the 90 minutes going through the motions and he seemed to have said you know the titles over and he actually should have carried on uh, attempting to win it and uh, and I felt that that you know as I said in the previous episode I, he wasn't my favorite at all so I was looking for um, i was looking for somebody new and the the idea that uh, um uh i think you mentioned uh, mark that the even Deschamps might take over as manager was something i was interested in
1: mm. um
2: uh, because uh, uh i wanted somebody i wanted somebody else to manage these these um These three marvellous marvellous signings. Well, the the other signings we had, but little did I know that that, you know what you wish for occasionally uh, is the worst possible thing you could be having. Because um, yes, indeed, he was replaced, but um, but uh, it was out of the frying pan into the fire.
1: Yeah.
0: So anyway, um, after all that kerfuffle that was going on, we did in fact kick off uh, the first match of the season uh, against West Ham. Uh, which, for me, uh, is is just such a memorable, memorable match. Um, I mean, where does one start with this? I mean, you know, Davos Suka, I forgot actually how many good bloody players West Ham had at this time, but they had Davos Suka, who was, you know, had been in the 90s one of the best strikers in the world, played for Real Madrid, of course. They had Paulo Di Canio, who's still one of my favourite all-time players, because, uh, to quote a phrase I was... Uh, hearing just before we started the show as mad as a box of frogs um but but uh, yes uh, yeah but a superb talent um and uh but the great thing was, i mean davil sukel nearly scored um very early on but uh, thanks to a brilliant save by uh, ed de hoy west ham did not score we scored we opened up the scoring on 31 minutes uh with a jimmy floyd hasselbank penalty where uh shaka hislop uh the, as actually, a lot of our listeners will know Shaka Hislop, or, or you know the younger ones will know Shaka Hislop, because he, of course he's he's on one of the American uh, football channels. But anyway, he brought Jimmy down uh, inside the area. Uh, you know, he just basically cleaned him out. He went for the ball, but he he took Hasselbank out, so it was obvious penalty. Jimmy put it away with a plom. I mean, rarely have I ever seen a striker of a football quite as good as Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. He walloped it. Um Decanio equalised on 46 minutes. Um, Zola put us ahead again with an absolute... I think Decanio's goal was a well-worked goal, but, I mean, for him, an easy finish. Uh, Zola put us back ahead on 59 minutes with a brilliant free kick where all of the uh, West Ham players tried to charge him down, but uh, with all the time in the world, he just put it right... I mean, Hislop didn't even move. Uh, And then we have one of my favourite all-time Chelsea goals, all-time, ever, 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 uh, where Mario Stanich, who's making his debut, remember, in the league for us that day, uh, picks the ball up about 30, 40, 35, 40 yards out, literally just keeps it up, like, you know, does about three keepy-uppies, and then just wallops it into the back of the net from about 30 yards out. I mean, it, it's an astonishing goal. Everybody went absolutely bonkers, as you can expect. Um and then Canute adds a second West Ham goal in 85 minutes. Uh, so it's 3-2. Good st- player. Yeah. Very good player. And he Canute, was. I mean, they, they had some good players he, he, in the he side. To, he
2: went to Europe, didn't he? And who did he play for? I can't, can't remember. I He played for somebody very very well. Um, very good side in Europe. Yeah.
0: Anyway, uh, Stanich then uh, got his second goal on his debut uh, on 90 minutes to to make it 4-2. But as, as opening days go, Mark, um, they don't really do much better, do they?
1: No. Perfect start, hot weather, lovely day, London rivals, three players making their debut and would add a, a couple of former, you know, future Chelsea players on the opposition. Lampard was playing that day and got booked and Joe Cole came on as a sub, the young, the young Joe Cole back then. But the Stanwich goal was the all thing about the game. Incredible goal. Goal of the season. First game of the season. Scoring a goal like that on your debut and then you know, to score a further goal, uh, a nice header in the last minute of the game. Real perfect debut. And we were talking about this the other night um, at J.K.'s gig or before J.K.'s gig. Uh, the, the other thing about Stanich is as well as scoring those two amazing goals, he had what I think is one of the best ever chants at Chelsea. And I take my hat off to the genius, whoever thought of doing this sort of chant Stanich to Deep Purple's Black Knight. You know, that, that's a work of art in my book. Uh, but I think he sat in the Harding Upper, did
0: he? Well, yeah. I mean, we were talking about this on Friday night, weren't we? Yeah. Before uh, J.K. Yeah. and the Rudy V's royally entertained us. But uh, I don't know because, you know, I I, I wasn't, I, I still wasn't back from. Uh, well, I, I was, I was, I was about a year away from coming back. Just under a year away from coming back from the the uh, the Boondocks. Um, but when I did arrive in the Boondocks, which would be the next season, there was a bloke who sat about, I don't know, 10 places to the right of me, about three or four rows down, usually wore a kind of a dark, uh, like a blue bomber jacket, uh, and had very short crop, quite spiky on top, grey hair. And uh, I'm damn well sure he started it, because he would always start the chant whenever Stanich was playing, and invariably when he wasn't playing. And Martin and I, because Dr. Martin and I basically... uh, you know sat together and and we obviously recognized that, that it was a deep purple song and we just absolutely loved it and would always throatily join in so i'm kind of wondering whether it was him i don't know who he is i mean you never know he may even listen to the show if, he, if you do if if it was you email us and tell us chelseafancast at gmail.com because i would love to know that i would love to it know was, that it,
2: it was stanich stanich yeah yeah, it was great. Can I just talk about the other chants? Zola had had the uh, the the kink song for his um, chant at the time before it evolved into the other uh, the other Zola chant. Because Zola had two chants. This this one was la 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 Zola, la 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 la, la Zola, which is of course la la la, la Lola, the Lola song. Um, that's just a, an interesting observation because he then had the uh, ultimately had the um, Dan Frank goes, oh, la 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 la. Didn't he have that one? Which one? Was yeah, he didn't have that. One? Yeah, that he was the one, it? wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, but uh, um, Stanich, of course, the goalie he scored. He volleyed the. He, he he set it up by by just twice bouncing it on his instep.
0: Once on the kind of the and knee, and then one on the instep. On onto then, the instep, yeah. and then
2: volleyed it into the corner. Yeah, yeah brilliant. He, yeah, quite smashing. And I actually bizarrely then enacted it during the week. I was um uh, employed for, a, I don't know how on earth I got the job. I was employed by Chelsea TV, who then had, had parted company with Neil Barnett spy to um, be involved in making these little programs that would go out about um, the, the past results and the stadium. And in the end, you mostly talked about the stadium and the hotels uh, because you weren't actually allowed to talk about the matches. Uh, because they were copyright. So I had the bizarre situation of doing six weeks with Kerry Levy uh, of uh, the Chels, uh, attempting to make a programme about um, the club, about the team, but we weren't allowed to talk about the team. So all we ended up doing is talking about menus in the hotel. It was a very strange experience, but we went onto the pitch and, uh, and mimed the mind the stanich goal um with great to great joy i think kerry pretended to be the goalkeeper and i pretended to be stanich and uh um luckily i haven't got any copies of those uh videos that we made which i think were slightly uh embarrassing but uh it's just something that we attempted to do so yeah. anyway next uh
0: next up we have bradford away um who you know we would pretty much be expected to beat in any season whatsoever i think they actually end up getting relegated this season um and uh and we don't we basically we basically lose two nil uh dean windass scores a goal and then Carboni benny carbone i mean actually th- this was a really interesting time for the premier league as a whole actually because every single premier league club had uh, foreigners, you know, quite talented flair player foreigners playing for them. Anyway, Bradford's version, because I think Benny Carbone had been at Sheffield Wednesday, hadn't he, as well? He but, had. Yeah, but anyway, they they had Carbone and Dean Windass, uh, a, a more kind of English hod-carrying number nine. You are, I mean, he, he's a bit of a kind of a cult hero and a weird cult anti-hero for Chelsea sports because he's, he's been an, he was an irritant for us, you know, for all the teams he played for. And he used to get but, such grief whenever he came to Stamford Bridge. I always remember fondly giving it out to Windows.
2: But he would score though. He'd scored why, for he, you, yeah, against us. Yeah, He scored for, um, um, where did he go to? He went to, he scored at Bradford and he then went to Middlesbrough and he scored again. Uh, he couldn't stop scoring against us. He was a chunky, I, m- I remember kicking, they shot so hard the season before. Oh, dear. Um, and but Carboni, of course, was on 43,000 quid a week, which Bradford couldn't afford. And it uh, um, it bankrupted them, didn't it, for the following season. And yet he scored a fabulous goal against us that uh, that game, it was a um, uh, uh, well. I, th- I think De Huy should have saved it, but it was. Well, um, I think you know, I think it was a De a, a long shot.
0: I think it, well, not only was it a De Huy error. I'm watching it now, yeah. actually. Just I'm not talking out of my ass for a change, but it was Panucci who gave the ball away, and, yes, and basically Carboni kind of just attempts a shot from about two, three yards outside the penalty area, and it swerves slightly. And De Huy, you know, it's one of those saves, Jonathan, where the goalkeeper's arms kind of cross. And they just fumble it, which is what he did. So we lost, we lost 2-0, which is not what we expected. The interesting thing is that after this game, Mark, um, it's probably, I, I don't really know how one takes this, actually, even if I do know what happened next. But Viali said, probably some of the players can't handle a couple of matches in such a short time. Uh, where have we heard that before? Also, I've got players who are more suitable for the home games and players who instead can give me something more when we play away. And I'm sure there's something we have to adjust defensive-wise, which I think is a very weird statement. Cheech J.K. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there, and it's not on TV?
2: Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved blue boys live. <laughs>
0: Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's dot com.
1: I think there's probably some truth in you know that thing we were talking about earlier um, about him falling out with Zola and other players because. Again, using Jimmy Floyd's book as a reference point, he does make reference to certain players. You know, sounds a bit like a cliche. Um, Viali left them out because he didn't think they could do it. And he gave the example in his book, Jimmy Floyd, about um, Viali not playing Zola at Leeds, for example, because he didn't think you know Zola would cut the mustard up at Leeds up north. You know, soft, southern Chelsea, Italian softy. Um, so there was probably a bit of like going to places like Bradford. I think Vialli had concluded that certain players just didn't fancy it. Yeah, very odd. I,
2: I, I, have to say, I personally thought it was ridiculous and he lost the plot Yeah, at the time when he made that statement. And I thought that was, you know, I'm a guinea, let's be frank about this. No, are you? I
0: had no idea. Yeah, how can anybody I know, I, tell that?
2: I've I've kind of I've kept it under under my sleeve, but uh, I've kept it in my trousers. But it's now out for all to see, and um, yeah, I, I thought he I, I thought he he was uh, he was well. He you ridiculous. you
0: know you know don't you, J.K. We've been around the block a long time. The minute the manager starts digging the players out publicly, you know something is rotten in the but, state of denmark but also,
2: also with a statement like that i just thought well i was think it's bizarre
0: dangerous. it doesn't really make any yeah. sense to me at all no, um no, no. just another bit of uh, housekeeping it was emerson tomes last game for chelsea he then got sold to Sunderland. uh and the next match is against villa with a and by by this stage uh, Stanich is uh, is injured um which is rather um, annoying because of course he he'd look superb uh, early on for us um this was a weird game it was a one all one all draw um, where Luke Nillis scores an absolute worldie um, you know, after 10 minutes and uh, Marcel Desai scores a great header on, on, on 30 minutes. But to be honest, Mark, I thought we were a bit unlucky, really. I, I thought that we, we played quite well, even though it was a pretty makeshift side because of injuries and stuff. But, um, I mean, the other thing that kind of... I mean, Flo had a late chance, didn't he, where he should have scored. But if we'd have drawn that, we would have been... Um, We'd have been joint sorry, if we'd have won the game, we'd have been joint top. But as we drew it, we ended up tenth. I mean it just, you know, this is August still. But you know, there's you, you shouldn't really be looking at the table in August, should you? And yet clearly people were. Um but the the other thing, of course, selling tone meant Bogard arrived. You've got a little bit of background info on Bogard, haven't you?
1: Yeah, and I think yeah, on 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 the Villa game, yeah, I don't think anyone in the Premier League that season came out of the blocks, you know, flying. Uh, I know Man United flew away with the league eventually, uh, but it's that that weirdness. that so early in the season, um, and the thing about inches we've often talked about on this show. We played well. We had the better chances. If you watch the video, you see how close Flo is to winning the game. And you're right. If we if we'd scored that, we'd 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 have been joint top. Ended up tenth, and the tenth was a the stick. Then the press used to beat Viali with. They say, well, look at Chelsea. You know, they're struggling. They're in 10th position. They made a poor start to the season. But uh, this is when things begin to unravel. Um, like Bahada, uh, we signed on a free transfer from Barcelona. Um, at the time, and we'll probably talk about it later, I was, I was researching and writing my first ever Chelsea book. Um, so um, certain people were providing me with information. So I was finishing off the book around this time. And reliable sources who I had within the club basically said Viali did not want Bojada. Full stop. Saw him as a weak link when Chelsea beat Barcelona in the Champions League. Uh, They thought he lacked pace. Uh, They got Flo to put pressure on Bojada 24-7. And you see when Flo scores one of our goals in that 3-1 victory, he just goes past Bojada. So... Viali didn't rate him. That was not a Viali signing. And he didn't want Emerson's home to go. You know, actually, he wanted Frank LeBerth to go. But LeBerth behind the scenes is talking to the hierarchy at the club. And that really is the beginning of the end because we'll talk about it when we come to the Newcastle game. There's a game in between. But this is when the relationship with Viali and the board goes due south as well.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's a bit of a both sides element with that one if they sign Bojada and, you know, as well uh, history history does not look fondly on the Winston and I, I I'm going to call him Bogard I can't not call him Bogard. I'm sorry. You know, don't Bogard the joint, pal. Be a friend and pass it
2: round. I agree. I'm just being a bit pretentious calling him
0: Bogard. No, no, I thought Mark was was being more pretentious than you, actually, to be fair, JK. Um, I was doing
1: my Steve McLaren impersonation. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: Anyway, listen, there is a game, the first game of September. We're now into September, and it's it's against the Arsenal. Um, And... uh, yeah, I mean it was an absolutely mental, mental game. I mean we were, we were two 0 up. Uh, brilliant. I mean actually we were playing absolutely brilliantly in the first half, and I mean Arsenal were beginning to be a bit of a bogey side for us uh, by this stage of proceedings. Um, but uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbaink scored a cracker on thirty one minutes. Zola, uh, a, a good goal on fifty eight minutes, uh, and and we we were bossing it. And uh, and then sadly uh, those uh, horrible old people, Hen- on, Henry, somebody called Henry. Uh, he, st- he seemed to score against us a lot anyway, he scored in seventy six minutes uh, but the w- worst was yet to come. we were still very much in this game uh and then one of the one of the sickest feelings i've had, and a lot of my, a lot of my sick there we go, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank absolutely wallops it in from outside the area classic Jimmy goal, anyway, one of the most sickening goals i've had to experience, and a lot of them came at the hands of Arsenal at that time um, It was a uh, bloody you know uh, Silvino who uh, Frank LaBeouf basically made an excellent tackle, but the ball ran free, and it was about 25 yards out. Salvinio just swung his left foot at it and bended it in like fucking Roberto Carlos. I mean...
2: It's similar to the Winterburn goal, yep, wasn't it? They, exactly. they seemed, seemed to be very good at doing that in the last minute. Yeah. just despair. God, yeah. bloody
0: hell. I mean, uh, you know, um, uh, Karno had hit the bar. I mean, you know, it wasn't as if, if, if we were all, all completely... Uh, you know bossing zola's goal was fantastic too you know measured kind of volley from brilliant uh, volley
2: brilliant know, volley
0: exactly that but I, I i i felt sick after that i mean i just didn't feel that was a game where we where we you know we deserved to not get anything out of it other than a, a pissy draw but mark as ever there was there was more more to that wasn't there i mean Viali took Poyet off for Melchiot um maybe that had something to do with it i don't know but i i just you know i just felt a bit sick after that one
1: Oh, you, you, you hate the sight of Arsenal. It just kept happening. As, you, as J.K. said, we had the Winterburn goal. Yep. We had the Carnu 15-minute hat-trick in the pouring rain a couple of seasons earlier. Time and time again, and it will continue as we get into this season and talk of future season. How many times Arsenal got the better of us or pulled a result, you know, when defeat? facing them hands down with little time left on the clock time and time again. And this was just another example. We had the game one at two nil. We played superbly for an hour, two very good goals. And the game changes when Poye comes off. You know, Poirier, we missed him a lot in the previous season through injury. Um, no, sorry, the season before Poye back to his best. Inspirational, played, uh, I
2: think, Mark, absolutely phenomenal. Yep, yep, phenomenal. They, they, he was so energetic this season. He played, tried to play out of his skin. I thought he was brilliant all season, absolutely superb.
1: And I, and I think the substitution I don't think worked because maybe Vardy was being tactical, but we were playing well. We had Arsenal on the ropes at two 0 by putting a defender who's a very good player that was Melchior on for a midfield player. Uh, we're inviting them to take the game to us, and that's what Arsenal did in the last fifteen minutes and get those two goals, which is just just. A kick in the bloody teeth. It
0: really was. I mean, even then, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank hit, hit the post from a, a long-range effort. So, uh, we were a bit unlucky, maybe. The next game was, uh, we got up to Newcastle away, um, which was a boring 0-0 draw. Um, but there was a lot more uh, around uh, going on around this than just the the match against the Geordies. Uh, because apparently, Vialli told Colin Hutchinson, for those of you who can't remember, Bates was kind of very busy and preoccupied those days with... Uh, kind of running the business Chelsea village and all of that so Colin Hutchinson was pretty much in charge in charge of the footballing operation as it were he was like the, the you know like the, the equivalent of a chairman i suppose uh, i wouldn't say a director of football but a chairman and uh, Viali had uh, told hutchinson that he was not prepared to pick bogart not surprisingly really because he was shit and that's what uh, that's what uh, vialli thought so he didn't even include him on the bench now, the date of the Newcastle game, there's a reason why this is important. The date of the Newcastle game is the 9th of September. Uh, the next match that we have to play is the 14th of September against St Gallen at home in the UEFA Cup, the first round, first leg. Lots happened before that, Mark, though, didn't
1: it? It did, indeed. Um, and again, um, uh, I, I go on the source that provided me with the information that I wrote about at the time in a certain book we might talk about later. Um, but uh, this basically gets Vialli the sack. Irrespective of the falling out of the players, which were still a live issue, the fact that the club trusted Vialli with £25 million at the start of the season to bring in those three superb signings, I saw as a strong vote of confidence in Viali by Bates and Hutchison, a massive vote of confidence, 25 million spend. So they were still in the Viali corner. Um, at the Arsenal game, Tony Adams was slaughtered in the programme by Bates because Adams had suggested that Viali's days were numbered and Bates gave Viali a massive vote of confidence in the programme. So at that point at the Arsenal game, despite all the frustrations, dropping points against Villa, losing to Bradford, yeah, you know, Bates was very much in the Viali corner, but reliably informed that he basically said a Colin Hutchinson, who basically said, Here's your new signing, Jan Luke. He said, Not playing him. He said, Not going to play him. I think he was told, you know, he's now part of the playing staff, and he said, So long as I'm manager of Chelsea Football Club, I don't care. I won't pick him. What would have helped is if we'd got a result against Newcastle that was a win. The fact we drew, I think, just added to the ammunition uh, on the Monday. What I was told was that Colin Hutchinson actually met with Claudine Ranieri and he offered him a job while Vi- Viali was still manager. And then Viali was called in on the Tuesday and he was sacked by Colin Hutchinson and Graham Ricks was put in temporary charge.
2: Mark, can I just ask yeah. you, why on earth did they pick Ranieri?
1: I have no idea. Yeah. It just seemed
2: so off the wall. He'd been Had yeah. he been sacked from Atletico Madrid? No, he resigned. Um, he resigned. Right.
1: And, and Atletico got relegated that season. Right. Um, that that should have been a, a, an indicator of how good he was, shouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Atletico were in huge financial difficulties, so they were being run a bit like we were in '77 by the Atletico Madrid equivalent of Martin Spencer so the martin Spence equivalent at atletico madrid said to ranieri and you know atletico already in the relegation zone um if you don't win this game yeah and you need to win this game you know your 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 job's going to be in jeopardy so ranieri resigned on the spot out of principle but atletico was they still went down they still got relegated you know and you think where atletico are now you know in in, in a 20-year period so the warning signs were there I would guess, and we just sort of come on to it. Um, I'll, I'll do it now. Um, there's a really good piece. I, when I was researching this, uh, everyone knows who Gabriel Marcotti is now, you know, but he was a young journalist 20 odd years ago. And this is what he says um, about Aranieri he's the arch- archetypical pragmatist, he's part Kissinger, part Machiavelli. He has a chameleon like ability to adapt to his circumstances. He is a chairman's manager. He's able to keep the bosses happy. You know, so no matter how demanding or schizophrenic, and he had some schizophrenic chairman in a previous life, he has won domestic cups in Italy and Spain. But anyone in Italian football will tell you his greatest achievement by far was avoiding the sack in his four years at Fiorentina because the chairman Vittorio Cecchi-Glori was a notoriously difficult, impatient man who made Ken Bates look like Mr. Blobby. <laughs> Ranieri was not only to keep Shecky Gordie off his back, he also managed to part on amicable terms. Now I think part of it, it was... I think Ranieri was, um, I think, seen as a strict disciplinarian. And I think the reason why Chelsea brought him in was to deal with all of that turmoil in the dressing room. So... I don't think they necessarily agree, but everything that the Berth and co were up to, but maybe they didn't think Viali either was strong enough or he'd already lost the dressing room because Viali says in his own press statement um, through his agent, Athol Still, Gianluca accepts that he's lost the confidence of some of the players and therefore accepts the club's prerogative in choosing to dismiss him. The spirit in the camp was not what he wanted to have or what Chelsea wanted to have. So I think there's probably acknowledgement, you know, even Viali knew there was actually something wrong. But yeah, Radier is a strange choice because obviously one of the things that Colin Hutchinson said was like Chelsea had an inbox of managers all around Europe to replace Viali, which I'm not sure is quite true, Colin.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe not, Mark. But I mean, uh, your notes, which are brilliant on this subject, by the way, um, which we probably can't go through all of them, although I'm very tempted to, but... um, I mean, my my thought on reflection before I remembered that actually Atletico Madrid had been shit under Ranieri was that of course Jimmy had played there the year before, so maybe you want to get a tune out of your top striker that you spent fifteen and a half million quid on. But then again, Jimmy had started on fire. But the other thing that I didn't know, or I've forgotten really, was that Gianfranco Zola had played had actually been given his chance by Ranieri ten years earlier at Napoli uh, to kind of replace Diego Maradona. So maybe there was a link there. And given, I mean, this this kind of segues beautifully into the oft-asked question, to which I don't know if any of us really yet have an answer for. But uh, Luca, in his uh, press announcements afterwards, kept on mentioning a Mr. Mr. Nice guy who had put, basically stabbed him in the back. Um, and uh, there were suspicions, and there have been for years afterwards, that That Mr. Nice guy was, in fact, Franco Zola, who, of course, had had a weird relationship with Viali, hadn't he? Because Viali would drop him a lot. So I wonder if there's something in the fact that it was uh, Zola who was Mr. Nice guy. And also Zola had had a lot of, I mean, you know, he was the senior player at the club. He was arguably the club's best player. You know, I can see Hutchinson saying, well, who do you think then, Franco, who would be a good replacement For Luca, and he was saying, "Well, you know, Ranieri is a good manager. I had, you know, you can see how that works, can't you?
1: Yeah, you you can. I I don't think you know we will ever know. I think there was three names in the frame. Zola was one. uh, Gwyn Williams was was another, and then possibly Colin Hutchinson, because Colin Hutchinson was very much seen as a nice guy. But I think yeah, he might have done the dirty on Viali because I think the other side of it is Bates." you know, Bates described it as his most difficult and distressing thing that he ever had to do. So he was quite happy to sack Hullet, but he hated, you know, having to sack Viali. He goes with my affection, respect and tremendous best wishes. And even on the last day of the previous season, if everyone remember the lap of appreciation, Bates paraded Viali round in front of the whole ground, getting everyone to applaud him. You know, so they were really joined at the hip then. So, I, th- I think Bates was really sad to see Viali go. So I, I don't think we'll, we'll ever know. I, I think the difficulty is, you know, you know players were going behind Viali's back. They were going to Colin Hutchinson. You know, I think he might have looked to Bates and Hutchinson for support and basically found them sort of like non-committal. And then the time was up. But I'm not sure even Jimmy was necessarily overwhelmed about Ranieri coming in because he actually talks about Ranieri and he repeats it when he comes to Chelsea. About Ranieri very much being more interested in not the ball, but the physical side of training. Uh, and they, you know, they used to just love playing football at Atletico and the same with Chelsea. But Ranieri was obsessed with fitness. He used to check the players' blood on a regular basis. They had to do lots of running, lots of exercise. And as Jimmy said, you know, part of the reason why Atletico struggled is they were knackered. Yeah, that's an interesting point,
0: isn't it? I mean, it's interesting what Bates said. Uh... JK because I know I know you know you've, you've you've met Uncle Ken many times but um I can understand why Viali's a was a very popular, I mean I, let's just park your your you know thoughts about him as a as a manager because I and you you said it many times but he was very very well loved at Chelsea wh- whatever you thought of his his tactical acumen he he's a charming bloke all the rest of it and I think I think the other thing we need to remember here is that Viali at the time was Chelsea's most successful manager ever. He had won 5 trophies at the club in a very very short period of time. That was unheralded unparalleled success for a Chelsea manager. So Bates was getting rid of I mean, you know, it's a bit like um, you know, imagine if if uh, if Roman Abramovich was less ruthless and and we go back to 2007, and he sacked Mourinho. It was kind of like that. It's, we'd, we'd sacked, a, you know, a guy who had brought us tremendous success. Um, so I can understand why Bates was, was was slightly
2: disgruntled in a sense. I think he will have been aware, though, that he'd lost the dressing room. Uh, I think he found it very difficult to make the transition from player to manager mm. because he'd been mates with them all. I think that's a that's a common problem: is you assume a personality that you think is going to. Uh, Um, allow you to uh, to be in charge and um, you're offending the very people who are your mates um, because they don't like the persona that you've embraced because you probably have to make decisions um, in in front of the group of players that they find a little bit demeaning and I think that was his major problem I don't think he could actually deal with that Um, and uh, it it makes sense to me that 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 Zola was very unhappy with the situation because he kept he kept making him sub, making him sub, didn't he? Even the uh, the year before, they'd had problems. He'd, he he wasn't pleased with being a sub, even for the European Cup Winners' Cup final. So uh, I think they had it. There was a lot of tension between the two of them. And um, uh, as just a supporter, you Zola did have the odd patch where he wasn't completely in charge and wasn't doing as well. But uh, he was one of the better players, and uh, and the, the the chance of a momentary spark. Uh, of genius was always there so um uh, I was always keen for zola to play um and I but as I've said before I think Viali should have been shouldn't have hung his boots up I think he should have continued as a player manager because he was he was terrific yeah. uh, and I think that was that may have actually been his salvation if he carried on playing and being part of the team and treated the team still as his mates and not assumed this strange personality that he clearly did I think he wouldn't have had all this unrest I think it was difficult enough with I think LeBeuf was very difficult I find and I, I I, think that that business of getting rid of Tome was something that always bemused me because he whenever he played he looked really good and uh, as I say um, LeBeuf was just a bit cavalier at this stage of his career so I didn't get why um tome had been sold to sunderland of course we played sunderland twice in the season and lost both times and tome tome was outstanding against us so that was very peculiar um so there seemed to be lots of things that we can't really ever work out what the truth was um particularly the bahada situation because uh, well that, that was will, just that, absolutely bizarre wasn't it
0: i mean that will run and run and run no doubt over the next yeah. few episodes but i mean you're right i think it's one of the most bizarre things that's ever happened to chelsea um anyway Graham ricks uh was uh, who was one of on the coaching staff with ray wilkins um he uh he took over for the next game which was against st gallen in the uefa cup first round first leg uh we were you know we should have buried them we didn't it was 1-0 panucci scored uh, a goal uh, his only goal for uh, 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 uh you know for for chelsea interestingly i mean the the, inter- the interesting thing about the next game after Viali sacked is the reaction and uh uh, you know there were Viali chants all night, in fact, there were Viali chants for the next year and a bit. I remember this vividly, and I remember joining in uh, with them when I finally made my return <laughs> in the next season. I think uh, that was
2: frequently due to the choices of the manager in there.
0: well i, I was going to uh, say I think you 're right i mean <laughs> we 'll we'll talk more about that in the Leicester game, but le Le berth was booed all night by a very paltry eighteen thousand crowd
2: I remember um, booing actually yeah, myself, they,
0: well there you so you boo you booed LeBeuf.
2: Yeah, did you sorry. shout Viali? Yes.
0: Yeah, you such a <laughs> fucking hypocrite, aren't you? No,
2: no, I didn't. You are I did such not. a I fucking hypocrite. I did not. I did not shout You Vialli. So no. did. I can see no. if, if people go, no.
0: people were watching this on YouTube, <laughs> they would see, they would see your mortification
2: at that. No, I didn't. I've just you caught me out. I didn't know what I was saying. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I definitely did not. I definitely did not chant Viali. I d- I've never. No, would, Piali, I would, ne- I Piali, would never Piali, have gone Viali. I would. I would never have done that. I never, can I just say we haven't mentioned is that um, Graham Lasso reappeared, having been injured for ten months at yeah, this period, which yeah. uh, and I was a great fan of Soxy. Whenever I thought he was a very very classy yeah. player, and hold, can also say that the, the we going really? kind of, yeah, I'm going I'm to I'm going to, to but they also say that that um the Graham Ricks being a manager for one game very two, similar to two. Butch two games yeah. sorry yeah. To, and like Butch Wilkins being a manager for one for one game uh, are a are very good quiz questions as to who are managers because you should actually include Ricks Ricks and uh, well and who, Rick.
0: who's who's the only manager of Chelsea this is the quiz question to have a one hundred percent record. As manager at Chelsea, the answer, of course, is Ray Wilkins in the FA Cup yeah. replay, and against I. I what was it? Watford. Watford four 0 and yeah. I. And yeah. I. Te- I texted him. I texted him after the game to say, "Well done, Ray Mondo. You'll you'll always be remembered as the manager that has the only Chelsea manager with a one hundred percent winning record." And he and he texted back a very funny reply, which I will not repeat, but it was funny. Um, Anyway, Leicester, next game at home. Bloody Leicester. We all know how much we can't stand them. Well, they they, they basically... The Ricks are still in charge. Uh, talking of Ray. Ray was, of course, in charge as well. Is um, it scored on uh, eight minutes for Leicester. Collymore scored late on uh, for 82 minutes. Bogart made his uh, debut uh, and was res- responsible for at least both goals, I would say. Um, Fiali chance, uh, a plenty um, mark. It was a pretty... Unhappy game, wasn't it? I remember.
1: Uh, It was a hangover from the St Gallen game, which is pretty miserable as well. We just we just talked about. Uh, Ranieri was sitting in the crowd. I think people knew that Uh, he was sitting. He actually was sitting in the East Upper. I think was he in the East? No, he was in the East Middle. Um, Was he with JK? Maybe 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 JK's the
2: Mr. Nice guy who brought Ranieri in. (laughs) (laughs) Funny enough, I actually remember him being in the crowd. I remember that. Yeah, I remember people pointing him out and I was saying, oh, is that bloke? Is he coming? Oh, he's the manager. Is he? Okay, right, good.
1: But Um, at that point, despite Colin Hutchinson offering him the job early in the week, he still wasn't our manager. And and Ricks was. Um, Leicester was just awful game. Our, Our good friend, Mr. Guppy, made one of the goals again. Um... Bogard off the pace, caught out by. Is it for the first goal? Collymore for the second goal. It was just awful. Just you know, it, it's. Yeah. It was just a grim atmosphere. You know, I know I didn't want Viali to go. I was cheering for Viali, but just you know, where where we'd been, you know, and in a matter of a couple of games, you know, we just things had just gone so badly wrong. You know, on and off the pitch, this was a really poor performance by us.
0: It was indeed uh, Leicester, a bit of a bogey side for us, of course, but uh, we could have done without playing them, maybe in the situation that we were in. Uh, Raniere is actually appointed officially on the seventeenth of uh, of uh, September, and uh, as luck would have it, depending on whether you think this is lucky or not, uh, the uh, the next uh, vi- uh, the next match we have is away against Man United on the twenty third of September. So that that would be. Uh, ranieri 's first uh game in charge of Chelsea, and of course i I remember this vividly because nobody gave us a hope in hell uh the The club were clearly in turmoil I mean the fact that the supporters are all chanting viali every available opportunity uh The press had got wind of all the shenanigans that had been going on so we and and Man United were the champions and uh were, were top of the table we by the way, dear people, we were sitting in sixteenth position uh. By you know seventeenth, I think, as we went into this game, um, that's pretty shit. You know, I mean, <laughs> Roman Abramovich sacks people if they if they you know get much lower than about tenth. But we were we were in 60, uh, 17th position, um. But it's a, it's an absolutely memorable, 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 memorable game. Uh, Jonathan, were you there?
2: Uh, yes, I was. Okay, tell us all about it. Um, and if I remember, I think we scored first with a brilliant Hasselbank volley. I, I can't go on about Hasselbank too much. Hasselbank was absolutely superb. What a superb player. would have a biff. Just He'd see the goal and you'd think, well, he'll probably score. It doesn't really matter where he is. 25, 35 yards away. He'll hit the goal. The number of times he hit the bar and it would go, ah, oh, uh, you, if you didn't see him, you're missing out. Try and look at him on uh, try and look at the season. Just phenomenal. Phenomenal striker. Makes you realise what a proper striker is all about. Bloody hell. Um, uh, a brilliant volley he scored, brilliant to make it 1 0. And then, of course, United, you know, the machine sort of clicked in and they Scholes scored, and then Sheringham scored, and then Beckham scored, and then um, Tori Andre Flo, uh, who we haven't talked about much, who were uh, uh, one of my favourite players uh, of that period. Um, uh, Soxy Cross. Soxy contributes, uh, I think, for all three goals. He's he was involved. captain that day as well. It, it was he as well? I'm not surprised. Fantastic player, really. I mean, I loved him. Um, sets up all three, um, and um, uh, and also I think um, uh, saves a goal on the on on the line as well, doesn't yeah. he? I think great save. But he uh, as a flow header to make it three two, and then flow scores again to make it three three. So really, against all odds, we draw against United, and, and,
0: um, and with a better team second and half, with a better team, we, we yeah. absolutely crucified them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, nobody expected it, Mark. I remember it vividly. And and it was a fucking phenomenal performance. I remember I wasn't lucky enough to be there, but it was on Sky. Uh, and I remember watching it going absolutely potty. Mark, I've got a I've got a great story. In fact, Mark and JK, should I say, I've got a great story about the Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank goal, which as JK said. I mean, you know, uh, I think it was Lesseau or Flo uh, basically stops the ball going a big cross comes over from the left. Uh, and um, as I said, either Lasso or, or, or Flow stops it from going out by basically overhead kicking it back uh, yes. up the pitch where Jimmy chests it down.
2: It's Flow. it's Flow. It's
0: Flow, right? Jimmy yeah. chests it down and absolutely unleashes uh, an absolute tracer bullet, an exocet missile of a shot uh, into the far corner. I think it was De Howell, uh, Van der Howe uh, didn't have a hope in hell of saving it. Now... I made a program in 2006 for Sky 1 called The Greatest Goals uh, for Manchester United and The Greatest Goals against Man United. And in the I got I basically got the got the task of making the against United because I could do that with a bit more authority hating United as I do. So um I and, and uh, I got to you know obviously I I got to choose the Chelsea goals out of those that we had available uh, on tape, which kind of limited it a little bit. Uh, I didn't get Peter Osgood's goal he scored against them in the sixties, for example, which was brilliant because there weren't cameras there. So there was that kind of issue. And we chose the Hasselbank goal. Um, well, I'm trying to remember the other ones. The Zola goal, where he basically leaves Irwin on his ass, uh, you know, at the bridge, which which was just brilliant. And uh, for some bizarre reason, we 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 only found that Tiago goal. A few seasons later, when Mourinho, went with the tight, you know, the the one that where they had to applaud us off the pitch, blah blah blah. But uh, the, the the Hasselbank goal was my absolute favourite, and uh, I, it was a shoe in for me to have that in the programme. Apart from one issue that we had when we actually went to edit the final programme, you know, with all the broadcast tapes, because what you have to do, you kind of research it and everything on DVDs, and then you go and phone up Sky and you say, right, can we have the masters from all of these games? because that's the highest quality that you can you you need for the TV program we phoned sky up they had a lot they have lost this match they no longer have this match on tape they lost the fucking tape so and i hope they're not listening because this is highly naughty but what i i said i'm not i'm not not having this goal in the program i will have a massive strop if i do so i had a dvd copy uh i think i must have the the season review or or greatest goals for chelsea or whatever we actually used my dvd in the final uh the final uh, production <laughs> master for that program so there you go all because I wanted to make sure I included the Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank goal. Anyway, I don't
2: think I've ever told you that story before. So there you go. What do you think? Perhaps it was stolen by an irate Man United fan. Might have been. Might
0: have been. Might have been. But there you go. It was a great start, though, to to dear old Ranieri's career. But uh, being Chelsea and being Ranieri, it all went tits up in the next match against St Gallen, uh, away in Switzerland, where we lost 2-0. But, Mark this match i'm afraid is forever uh remembered for all of the
1: wrong reasons really isn't it oh very 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 sad occasion um game we should have won you know st Gallen was 600 to one you know to win the uefa cup i think not being in the champions league but being the uefa cup i think we fancied our chances of having a good run or winning this thing so bad enough to get knocked out to st Gallen, losing two nil completely overshadowed on the night to just a freak injury You know, with Di Matteo, he goes into a challenge with a St Gallen player and comes out with a broken leg uh, and a career ending injury as well. Really sad. You know, he was a superb player, you know, for those of like three or four seasons at Chelsea, scored so many crucial cup winning goals for us, memorable goals for us. And I think we probably miss him in this season as well, you know, as as the season goes on. Where the midfield gets tinkered with far too much, but a really tragic injury and end of a career from a really great Chelsea player.
0: Yeah, it was just it was. I mean, because Robbie was so loved by by Chelsea supporters because he'd scored obviously that amazing goal against Borough in the uh, ninety seven Cup final, and uh, and did it you know scored again. I mean, it's what he used to do. He scores in finals. Jk, very well loved, brilliant, brilliant midfielder. But of course, if you if you'd seen. If you'd seen it live, well, I say live. If you'd seen it live, you probably wouldn't have had a very good view. I don't know because I wasn't there, but I saw it on the telly, and it was one of those awful breaks where you just see the leg break, uh, you know, in the tackle. I mean, it was just—it was—it was almost it almost made you want to cry. It was all horrible, Jake. I remember it, it was vividly.
2: A, it was a double break, wasn't it? Yeah. I think. Yeah. And, and, right. I, I wonder whether um, technology nowadays would would have uh, uh, given him his career back. That uh, was deeply upsetting, as you say, Chich. He was, uh, he was very much loved. He was a terrific, terrific player. It wasn't just because he'd scored those goals in the cup final. He was a terrific player, and he was part of a a terrific team. Um, uh, so it was it was desperate. I found this whole period of uh, the arrival of the new manager, um, and then him breaking his leg, just a kind of and us going out of the UEFA Cup, just absolutely ridiculous. I just thought what else can go wrong in this setup at the moment? What? What what is the club doing? We bought these three excellent players, one of whom's injured. The other two, Johnson and Hasselbank, are top top players. Why is this happening?
0: Well, I'm um, go- I'm going to gloss over that, not only, not for not for long though, because I think you you're hitting on a a stellar point there, JK, as you often do. Um I mean, it was a real low point going out of the UEFA Cup in the bloody first round to Bunch of Swiss cheesemakers for God's sake. Um we end up September and twelfth in the in the Premier League, so that's not looking too great. Now we then go to October, which is a bizarre month because I think this this in a sense characterizes this very early period of Mourinho. One minute you get a great result, the next minute it's massively going tits up because we had a great win at home against Liverpool where we won three nil. Uh interesting for me is not just it was a great goal by Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Ida scored another one. We won 3-0, as I said. But the, the link up play between Jimmy and Ida, we suddenly start to see properly for the first time. We then lose one nil to Sunderland away, uh, with a with a a Phillips penalty, and Kilban and Lasot get sent off. Soxy basically elbows Kilban, who pushes him, and they both get sent off. Uh and then we then and then uh, you know, uh no, by this time, he bought Sl- Slaviza Jukanovic, does the answer to all uh, of our uh, problems. Yeah.
2: Excuse me, I'm going to be sick.
0: Well, bear in mind, I mean, here's the thing. Bear in mind now, of course, he he is the replacement for Robbie Di Matteo, who's clearly out for the season. Fucking oh, Jukanovic. God. Anyway, oh, so uh, I mean, I move quicker than Jukanovic. Anyway, oh. now I move quicker than Jukanovic. Uh, I'm we,
2: sitting down, I'm moving Exactly that. Now, the
0: next game is Coventry, who we absolutely pound 6-0, Um and which is just insane. I mean, Jimmy scores uh, four goals. Uh, I, I'd love to, I wish I'd have had the time to find out. Well, it would have been Kerry. I would have, or no, actually, it would have been Viali, wouldn't it? The, the last person to score four goals for Chelsea before then. So not not necessarily that long ago. It was his first hat-trick in England, I believe. Um, but the man of the match in the Coventry drubbing uh, was a certain Sam Dalla Bonner Mark, wasn't it?
1: He was now. I know J.K. might have a different viewpoint on on him, and we've talked about in previous shows. But actually, Delabona gets his chance um, through Di Matteo getting injured, and he actually is one of our highest appearance makers during the course of the season. He is. I think th- this this was a game where you know he had a good vision, Delabona, and a range of passing when he came into the side. I remember he was only nineteen years of age. And, and he was in the first team. So you liking it now to the sort of current modern day Chelsea. You know, we don't have many 19 year olds in the side at the moment, and we haven't had many other than I think, Mason Mount in more recent times or Reese Shane. So having a player of that young age was really good to see. Uh, and if you watch, uh, it was actually 6 1 rather than 6 0. That Sorry, was a, a tied Yes, yeah.
2: De Hoy gave the ball away, by, gave the goal away by bouncing it on his
1: thigh. that's it the whole error but the pass and he he does this several times if people watch the end of season video the pass from Della Bonner to Zola for the third goal is a beautiful pass a really good pass and he actually does get man of the match and he gets it a couple of times during the course of the season I think the frustrating thing for me with Della Bonner I think he had a talent uh, and he played a lot this season I thought he played particularly well but the following season it was just hit and miss in and out the side and he just you know, we end up sort of, I think, selling into Italy. And I, I think he had something, but we never quite developed the talent there. And I, I, don't, uh, I don't
0: think he did, Mark, because he, he never really had a... I mean, he came from AC Milan as an academy product. And you're right, he went back there a couple of seasons later, but he never really established himself there. And it's a mystery. No. It's an absolute yeah. mystery, because you're right. He was brilliant for us this season in, in what ended up being a higgledy-piggledy makeshift uh, midfield. And he, and you said he was nineteen, and I remember watching him this season, thinking, "Christ, you're a great player." And then going back to the bridge the next year, being really excited to see him, and then never really. I mean, it's a bit like it was a bit. If you want to make a comparison, it's a bit like Pulisic, without the injury. You know, he was he had that brilliant season under Frank, and he and we've never seen it really consistently since, and it was so disappointing. To see that happen the next year, although I don't really shouldn't really get into next year.
2: But- I, I actually think that I don't think he was as competitive in the midfield as as I think he played. It was a decent season, and I saw he played twenty six times uh, in the league. But I and I, his passing was 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 terrific. He had a very good vision. I just didn't think he was terribly competitive in the midfield. I thought he got easily dispossessed, and uh, and wasn't really. It's a bit. Um, uh, it's a bit cheek-like, I would use as a as a player at the moment. You know, you think you want him to do well, and it, it, he's just slightly being found out. But I, I don't think it was a brilliant season for him, Chid. This season, I think he played a lot. Well, I think I
0: think um,
1: okay, maybe, he got maybe, I, I,
0: maybe I'm getting a bit excited, but I think given the fact that he was only nineteen, I agree. I given agree, the fact I that agree. he he only probably came in because Robbie got injured. Uh, maybe it had a little bit to do with Ranieri being Italian. But I mean, I'm with Mark on this. He, he you know. He didn't. He played all right. He played all right. I was just watching the Sunderland game uh, on on the uh, you know on YouTube, and uh, because I agree with you, I think he he's not a Premier League player. He, he's a Serie A player, where you have more time and you don't get you know people hacking through you like they used to be able to do in those days. And yet, when uh, when uh, Socks uh, Lasso gets uh, sent off for elbowing Kilban and there's the inevitable scrum, Dalla Bonner's in there pretty quick having a go so he, he doesn't lack for a bit of fight on that in that no, sense but
1: no he, he got i thought he got stuck in because if you look at over the course of the season he picked up a lot of yellow cards as well he wasn't afraid actually you know to put his foot no, in i agree with that i agree with that yeah, I just and think he did he, put his foot in quite a few times and he, get booked
2: yeah. yeah exactly he'd get he'd, he'd get caught a bit though in hey
0: possession. jk jk yeah was he yeah. better than you uh yeah yeah I thought so <laughs>
1: Uh, And and didn't he have nice nice hair? He had beautiful (laughs) hair. Come on, JK. Beautiful beautiful hair.
2: I think he had an Alice band, didn't he? Um, He did. did. Yes, yes, I think he did.
1: One of the first. One of the first before his time. But quite rare,
2: though. He's a a blonde-haired,
0: blue-eyed Italian. Don't see many of them about, in my experience. So that's quite unusual. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe there's a Viking strain somewhere in Rome. I don't know, or Milan. The Visigoths had visited many centuries beforehand. But a beautiful man, a very beautiful man, a very beautiful young man with beautiful hair, blue eyes. Why did it all go wrong for him when I turned up that 's what I want to know next season but anyway we'll he just... wanted, he
2: wanted away though didn 't he Chich? He wanted to play at Milan that was which we will discover if we but go i, into
0: the I mean he, I think he here 's the other thing i mean I, I remember I remember this i mean he, I think he he liked Chelsea, he liked living in london, and i I remember people, somebody I know bumped into him walking up the King's Road and he had a chat with them. He, very not, you know, very incognito in a sense. He blended in in a way. So I don't know. We'll, we'll try and answer that question next week. Now, listen, we round up October with the obligatory uh, win against Spurs at home, uh, 3-0. Uh, Jimmy Floyd-Hasselbank bags a couple. Zola gets the one in between. And we finish October in 10th.
2: Can we just say that the Hasselbank long shot was fantastic in that game? Wasn't it? Was it? The, the third goal. I mean, i you know, I keep going on about this. What a wonderful player Hasselbank was! My goodness.
0: Well, he, he was indeed, and I mean, you're you're absolutely, absolutely dead right. The goal against uh, Spurs. I'm just trying to find it now. Actually, uh, I think it must have been. Before. He'd have a
2: go. I love it. I love players who have a, got a decent shot and have a go. You know, from distance, which is something we don't see as much anymore because of the way that um, uh, tactically teams are set up. But my goodness me, if you can hit the target with such accuracy, like Hasselbaink, what a what a what a player you'd be now at the he, Premier League.
0: He had a rocket. He had a rocket a shot. Rocket, I mean, it a was a, I mean, that's the thing. He struck the ball so yeah. well. Certainly yeah. this this season. Um,
2: yes, it, it, it wasn't great every season, but in particular this season, quite brilliant, brilliant performance. Well, I've got a I've got a
0: theory for that, which I, I, I discussed at the time. But I'm going to wait till next the next show we do because it's in next season, not this one. Anyway, as it I is. said, we we you know the obligatory three nil against Spurs. We we end up being in tenth in October. No, we're sixth. No, no, six. no, in October we finish in tenth position.
2: Aren't we sixth at the time though? No, Gitch, after let me, I'll tell
0: you, I'll tell you. Look, look. Okay, whizzing down, okay. Bounder Friday. You see, I told you we were sixth. See, I said we were six. No, no, you just said tenth. No, I know why. Because uh, the beginning of the month. Because basically, when we, we were six, when we played Tottenham, right, yeah. going yeah. into the game. But yeah. by the next game, by the time the next game comes around, we'd slip down to tenth. Now that okay. would be, I suspect, because other people. Well, I well, there's a reason for that. I'm going to go into it now. November, J.K. What do we always say about November? Remember, remember, Chelsea are shit in November yes exactly they are um, it's been going on for years guess what we were we were awful we were horrendously awful we played one two three four five games uh we didn't win any of them we only drew one of them we lost the rest we were knocked out of the uh worthington cup uh by liverpool 2-1 after extra time we lost 3-2 to southampton away uh, largely because of a brilliant free kick uh from James Beattie on ninety minutes so we were robbed a bit. Uh we drew one all with Leeds, uh Poirier scoring for us, and then we lost two nil away to Charlton for God's sake. Uh and uh and then we and, and then we lost two one away to Everton. Unbelievable. I mean, and and so much of this this is why I love doing these shows, Mark, because history always repeats, doesn't it? Nothing ever really changes
1: does it? No, we we were talking about Arsenal as well, sort of a bit of a bogey side for a while, Um, Everton patched up Everton side, makeshift team, mid-table Everton and they played out their skins against us familiar theme, repeating itself up to 2022 Uh, I think the other thing about this game, the two things about this one, Jukanovic actually makes his debut but he goes off injured after 20 minutes. Hooray! Shouldn't say that. shouldn't
0: say that. Sorry, no, sorry, sorry, no. sorry, sorry.
1: Uh, and then um, the other thing is Hasselbank, uh, and this actually opens the door, ironically, to Ardega Johnson getting a more reg- regular run in the side, but then he keeps his place when Hasselbank comes back. Uh, Hasselbank gets sent off for elbowing Michael Ball in the face. Not Not the musician, you know, singer, mm-hmm. Um, from Phantom of the Opera Michael Ball and Hairspray, but the Everton defendable Michael Ball. Yeah. No I think the only plus point, yeah, apart from losing to the dogs of war, was actually our good friend Della Bonner gets his first goal for Chelsea, which is a bit of a cracker from the edge of the area. It was a good one. Yeah. My theory on Jekanovic, and it gets repeated a lot during the, the season, and this whole makeshift midfield, so many players got injured. During the course of the season, and I think one of the things Hasselbank says, and again, I'm I'm making lots of reference to it. If you haven't read Jimmy's book, it's a bloody good book to his credit, his autobiography. And he basically says, uh, you know, when we had to play games on Saturdays, we were just plain tired. You know, there were never any extra rest days. Football in England is so physically demanding that when you don't have to play a match on a weekday, you usually get Wednesdays and Sundays off. At Chelsea, Sunday was our only day off, as we always trained on a Wednesday. Taking rest was apparently not very important to Ranieri. And I think that's probably going to be a factor. Um, He drove them into the ground, um, and Hasselbank says it several times. They just needed a rest every now and again and never got one. So they were picking up injuries because they were training far too much and there was no recovery period. And so Rikanovic, it's a month at the club, They probably ran him into the ground. As soon as he makes his debut, 20 minutes later, he has to come off because he's pulled something.
2: And Hasselbank gives himself a kind of uh, enforced injury period, doesn't he, a a holiday by... Uh, elbowing Michael Ball in the face, which he does really rather rather viciously. Yep. Um, so not surprisingly, he gets sent off. A smart so, uh, smart boy, Jimmy, smart
0: boy. I tell you what, he says, I think I could do with a rest. I'll just elbow this yes. twat in the face and get sent yes. off and be automatically
2: banned for three games. But, but you know what happens with frequently? You look at center forwards and you think, oh, has he done it or oh, he's just... The, the, no, no, the, he did it. So he's, he's looking for the <laughs> air. He's looking for... No, he's gone up because he, can, he can't jump without his elbows out. No, 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 Jimmy, right in the face. Bam, <laughs> and
0: then looked so innocent afterwards. He did afterwards, Pleading right. with the referee, sitting on his arms, like, no, 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 it was an accident ref.
2: That's right. Absolutely. Brilliant, you've got to love it. Yeah, and during this period, of course, Flo went to Glasgow Rangers. For well, you are
0: reading my mind, Jake, I was about to say that. I was
2: so, so, so
0: upset about oh, this. Oh, madness, madness. I a love mad Flo. decision.
2: Oh, but also a match winner. He'd hardly played. He only played five times at this period, but it, what a match winner he could be. He'd come on and his, you know, his, his, his great loping, his loping uh, deer-like legs would get to the ball for anybody else. And he'd just slot it in the corner. He was terrific at doing that. I I didn't get another signing, another person leaving who leaves you, your, your guts being spilt. You just think, you know, you're wrenching. You think, oh, no, please, why have they sold him? What's going on at the club? Oh, dear. And you wonder what else, we you know. Whether, yeah, whether, whether, I mean, whether Ranieri made a decision he didn't think he was going to get in the side. So well, he
0: didn't want to play it I before. think it's interesting, just picking up picking up on a, thing, a couple of things you said. You know, first of all, you know, Ranieri running them into ground shows you his lack of experience in the Premier League, not realising how physical it is and how much the players do need a rest. Uh, Flo, uh, 95, 94 starts, 64 uh, appearances as a sub for Chelsea and 50 goals. And I think, interestingly, both he and Zola... Both scored their fiftieth goal against uh, Coven- in the in the six 0 against Coventry. Yes, they did. There we go. How about that? Um, and the other thing I was going to mention, which needs to be mentioned absolutely, uh, for Heskey, uh, who um, did a terrible tackle in the uh, oh. in the in the Worthington Cup matchup. I mean, he two footed somebody. Right, this does right, melt run. shot. Melchior, that's right. Down his back of his knee, got yeah. sent off. Uh, but but actually, uh, he, you know, he might have been sent off. Got another yellow. He might have been two yellow cards. Actually, thinking of it, because I was. think he went off after talking of people elbowing people. He elbowed Winston Bogard in the face, for which yeah. he should have, should really be applauded. Let's be honest.
2: Yeah, and he should have been sent off for the two-footed tackle on Melchior. Oh Christ! He, on a bike. Which, That's what which I was absolutely appalling tackle on Melchior. Yeah. yeah,
0: it was. It was absolutely awful. Now we end up in fourteenth position. Uh, At the end of the horrible November, we go into December um, and I mean, you know, again, sorry, God, sorry,
2: JT played in the Worthington Cup game.
0: He did. He gave the ball away, didn't he? For the first goal. He did. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting point. I mean, JT suddenly becomes a bit more of a regular occurrence this year. We'll talk about that. Then we get into the second half of the season where I think it becomes... More yep. pertinent, but uh well yep. well spotted uh for that one, JK. Right. December, I mean, again we had a we uh, you know, we had a whole slew of games. Obviously we we beat City two one at home, we beat Derby four one at home, all quite easy. Uh and then we lose to Borough away. Uh one nil, and then we beat Bradford three nil, and then we draw to Ipswich two two away. Um the pattern really that's emerging, Mark, which I think you know will absolutely come back and haunt us at the end of the season, is our utter and complete inability to win away from home.
1: Yep, we were really poor away from home. We, we'll talk about when we finally get an away win, but yeah, we nearly go a whole season, you know, without an away win. And there was just so many examples. We talked earlier in November, like Southampton. We went to Southampton. They were struggling in the relegation spot. Hey. Chelsea come along, you know, and they they win for the first time in ages. They win 3-2. Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough in the relegation zone. They'd sack their manager and they brought in Terry Venables. I think this was his first game in charge. So they'd only just come back up after being relegated, you know, a couple of years before. They'd not won at home since March of that year. Lo and behold, we rock up, guess the rest. You know, we, we lose again. Um, and then Ipswich, to end the year, Superb start to the game. Um, Ida gets two carbon copy goals, so we're two nil up after 20 minutes, and we let Ipswich back into the game and get a draw. We just time and time again just could not get an away win over the line. But there was in the Middlesbrough game a very very funny moment. If you watch it on YouTube, yes. um, Ed De Hoy flaps at the ball, and you can you don't even need to lip read Dennis Wise. Even if you struggle lip read, you could just see Dennis clearly saying Ed. Catch the fucking ball!
2: I, I think you've actually brought up a point as well that I, I don't think De Hoy was was, <laughs> was 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 being very good at the time. He seemed to um, palm a lot of shots straight out, which is something you know one notices that the top goalkeepers don't do—is they try and push the ball away from the, the on, ongoing onco- incoming attacker—and also kept missing the ball from crosses. So I don't know why his goalkeeping started deteriorating, but it meant that. Um, uh, there was therefore a, a, a possibility that if anybody was any good who could replace him, um, that they might do that. And it just so happened that there was one Carlo Cudicini waiting in the wings. Well, You, you might
0: have answered the question that I was going to ask to Mark then, uh, JK, as to why in the derby match did uh, Ranieri haul De Goy off and put on Cudicini? But maybe that's the answer, that actually De Goy has been playing shit for a while. What do you think?
2: Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, sorry,
0: yeah. I mean, having said that, Hoy starts uh, against Middlesbrough, Bradford, uh, and uh, Ipswich. So, Cucinini doesn't really become more of a fixture if he does become a fixture, really, in the new year, which we're going to get to in a minute. When uh, when we play Villa, uh, other notable thing, Mark, Tam Dallabona scores his first goal for Chelsea at home against Bradford, doesn't he? And uh, and we sign hmm? Peach, Peach of a, of a goal. What
1: a... What a great goal. And the pass to Good Johnson, um, who then sets up Poirier's first goal as well. So, you know, really good goal. Watch it on video, people, if you haven't seen it or you've forgotten about it. You know, The second goal of the game, he just dances through that Bradford defence.
0: Indeed. And uh, the other notable thing that happened in December is we, we signed, at the end of the month, uh, a certain player called Jesper Gronkjaer from Ajax for £7.5 Um A player who will uh, go down... In the annals of history, for two things: for scoring the goal that saved the club uh, just before Roman brought bought it, and also for being uh, called Forest by me and the blokes who used to drink in the George Pub at the back of Gate Seventeen for many a year, and scoring some great goals. I remember the goal he scored against Man United up at Old Trafford as well, and uh, and such like. I think maybe one against Monaco as well in the in the European Cup. Well, I was right behind it. It, it. it was probably a cross, but. Uh, I saw it literally all the way in, even though it was supposed to be across. Now, there's one other thing that's even more noteworthy about December. Uh, Apparently, some bloke uh, published a book. I can't think of who that might be. Who would that be, Chief? I don't know, JK. Oh.
2: Uh,
1: hmm.
2: No idea. Can somebody tell us? I hope so.
1: Uh, Mark, have you got any idea? Uh, Apparently, um, I had my first book published on Chelsea Football Club. Oh, is that you? It was yeah, my yeah. first ever Chelsea books, yeah, in December 2020. Actually, had to publish this particular season, yeah. It was called oh, Blue wow. Tomorrow. What's you it? I've heard of it. Blue Tomorrow, I've never heard of yeah. that. No, yeah,
2: I, I sang on the song. Did you?
1: I've heard of yeah. that,
2: yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, well, we
0: must check that book out. Is it any good, Mark?
1: I, I, I don't know. You can pick it up with some good bookshops and some, some bad bookshops as well. It's still available, yeah. is it? It's it's still still available. Google Blue Tomorrow and you can get it from those good Amazon people or Empire Publications. Uh, yeah.
0: Can you get it from the yeah. CFC UK stall?
1: Uh, no, actually. That's something I need to address next season. Yeah, because we've promoted it so much. There'll be people coming to the stall and asking Marco at some point, have you got Blue Tomorrow by Mark meher It'd be, it'd be like, like J.R. Hartley and fly fishing. And that's that right. That <laughs> <one>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, brilliant analogy. Brilliant. Maybe people can get a signed copy if they can pick it up from the stall, but... Uh... We'll have to wait till the new season before we We'd know. You have the to have the out. author.
2: The author would have to sign them.
0: of course. That would be true. Well, we could sign them on Mark's behalf. You know, we can scrawl his signature. Nobody will know. Uh, anyway, uh, there end of uh, December and that and the year that was the year the millennium year two thousand. Uh, we ended it in ninth position in the league, uh, which was not really good enough. It has to be said. Now we're going to have a quick break so that J K can lie down for ten minutes and and do his vocal exercises. <laughs> um, but we will be back for part two of uh, the Chelsea fancast: Fifty Years of Chelsea, two thousand to two thousand one. And really, we will be having a look at the second half of the season, obviously. But I think this is the this is when really the Tinker Man started to earn his nickname. We'll be back soon.